Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Uh, Do you know what happened this time two years ago today? I think it was today or maybe it was yesterday. I was watching the NBA, and the NBA said, the world has come to an end. Everybody go home and do not do anything at all. And so that's what we did, right? And over the course of the past two years, the reality is, uh, you know, in our prison system, if you want to punish someone uh, at the deepest level you can punish them, John, you know what you do? You put them in isolation and leave them by themselves, Well, if you're anything like me, there's probably things in your life that over the past two years that you kind of need to look at and you need to say, you know what, God, Uh, I need to weed some of those things out of my life. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we had an all-staff meeting and uh, pastor, I can't say who because she doesn't want me to say her name, uh, but she said that we should give something up out of our lives during Lent And she said that when she was six years old, she felt like God wanted her to give up farting, Tony. And I said, well, I'm not going to be able to give that up, all right? Uh, So we're going to have to talk about something else uh, that's a little more realistic. Uh, Today, we're talking about fasting. And honestly, fasting is one of those things that people misunderstand, misuse, or just downright go, no, I'm not practicing that. I'm not going to get involved in that. And today I want to invite you to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18, and chapter 9, verses 14 to 17. And we're going to answer these three questions today. Why fast? Number two, how are we to fast? And number three, what will result from fasting? And it's my hope as we enter into Lent, as we enter into this season of beginning to remember the sacrifice of Christ, I would encourage you over the course of now and April 15th, which is when Good Friday is, what is it in your life that you could give up? What is it in your life that you could give up so that you can get re-entuned to God's spirit, to God's word, and to God's calling and purpose on your life. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus says this. And somebody say it. What's the second word? Come on, say it a little louder. Oh, and when you fast. That word when really stood out to me. Not if, but when. Jesus wants to know that he wants you and I to practice what we're going to talk about today. Now, we're going to unpack some of the uh, misuses and misunderstandings and that sort of thing with the Pharisees, but I want to start by saying that Jesus wants you and I to practice the discipline of fasting, to look in our lives and say, what does Jesus want me to give up for him? What is that in your life? 
What is it that God right now is speaking? Maybe there's some habits in your life. Maybe you've formed some patterns in your life over the last two years in isolation. Maybe you're watching online and maybe you're wrestling with some things in your family. And God is saying to you, you guys have got to weed this out of your life. Nobody else is going to do this for you. You have to make this choice. Jesus said, and when you fast... So let me give you a historical perspective of fasting. Look at Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29. Now, on the appointed day in early autumn, you must spend the day fasting and do not do any work. This is a permanent, catch this, this is a permanent law for you. It applies to those who are Israelites by birth as well as to foreigners living among you. On this day, atonement will be made for you and you'll be cleansed from all your sins in the Lord's presence. It'll be a Sabbath day of total rest. You'll spend the day in fasting. This is a permanent law for you. Now, the main thing that I want you to see there is that it was a day of cleansing. If there's something that I know about myself, and Howard Hendricks used to say this in seminary, the problem with a living sacrifice for Jesus on the altar, what does it do? It always likes to crawl off. So we have to put it back on there. We have to say, God, here is my life, a living sacrifice to you, and I want to offer it to you, and God's going to say to you, how are you uniquely offering your life to me right now? In this season of your life, what are you going to offer to God to say to God, God, I want you to cleanse who I am. I want you to cleanse me as a human being, uh, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend, as a co-worker, so forth and so on. And when you look at your life, the reality is we all have six or eight or 12 things in our lives that quite frankly kind of get the best of us. And when we offer something up to God, there is a cleansing That begins. Now let's fast forward. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 12. Look at what the Pharisees say to Jesus. I fast twice a week. Isn't that interesting? Instead of through fasting, God has taught me this. It's let me tell you how amazing I am that I fast. Isn't it amazing how we can take anything that God gives us And we can turn it in a trophy for ourselves. We can make it about ourselves. Fasting is not supposed to be about ourselves. Fasting is not supposed to be, look at me, aren't I the superhero, the superhuman Christian? Because, you know, God told them to do it this number of times, so I actually do it this many times. Now, how did this happen? Because initially it was with good intentions. So look at Judges chapter 19, verse 26. Go back and give a little bit of history here in the Old Testament on, on, on fasting. Then all the Israelites, they went up to Bethel, they wept in the presence of the Lord, and they fasted until evening. 
They also brought burnt offerings, peace offerings to the Lord. And the Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. I want you to see that phrase, seeking direction from the Lord. The primary motivation for fasting should always be, I want to learn how to experience God in a greater way And I want, in a greater way, his perspective on my life, the relationships of my life. And so I want to seek him. So God, I'm going to give this, whatever this is, up. And in giving this up, instead of spending time on this, I'm going to spend time on you. I'm going to spend time on seeking you, asking you for direction And so I just want to encourage you, we are at a very critical moment in our society. After these two years of what we've walked through, listen, you can say to God, God, my life can bring more glory to you now than it could have two years ago. And I'm going to get up out of this and I'm going to say to you, God, through this sacrifice, what direction do you want me to go with my life? Because I'm willing to go that direction and I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. Amen? Look at Nehemiah 9.1. Now, on October the 31st, the people returned from another observance. This time they fasted, they dressed in sackcloth, sprinkled dust on their heads. And those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. See, fasting is not just, I'm going to seek God. But after I seek God, I'm going to say to God, God, would you please forgive me? Would you please cleanse me? And not only me, would you please cleanse my family? And would you please cleanse my church and my community and my neighborhood, all those, my life group, all those I'm in relationship with, Lord, I confess to you their need of you. And so fasting is not, Lord, give us direction, cleanse us, but it's also, Lord, remind us that we need you. We need you. I need God more today, at least I hope I realize this, than I've ever realized it before. Now look at what happens in Zechariah. The Lord Almighty sent me this message. And say to all the people and your priest, during those 70 years of exile, when you fasted and you mourned in the summer and at the festival in early autumn, was it really for me that you were fasting? And even now in your holy festivals, you don't think about me but only of pleasing yourselves. So from Nehemiah to the Gospels, do you know what fasting became? It became this selfish ritual that I want God to see me so he has to do what I want him to do. And also I want everybody to see me and see how amazing and great I am and see the things that I have accomplished. Now look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Now one day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus, and they asked him this question. Why do we, the Pharisees, fast, but your disciples don't fast? 
Now, they're not asking the question of Leviticus, okay? I want you to understand this. God is never, Jesus never at any point in his life went against God's word. That's a misunderstanding, a misnomer, a misinterpretation of who Jesus is. Jesus didn't come to, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't exactly know how to say it. Jesus didn't come to say to the Old Testament, uh, you have no power, no authority, no value. Okay. Jesus came to show us what it looks like to practice a discipline with the Spirit attached to it in a powerful, real, and life-giving way. And what had happened to the Pharisees is that the Pharisees had taken a command of God and they had turned it into their way of being in charge and in control of God and everybody who claimed the name of God. And God's like, that's not okay. That's not okay. That's not okay. So the Pharisees want to know. Let me say it another way. Why are we more spiritual than John the Baptist? Why are we more spiritual than the disciples of John the Baptist? So look at the Pharisees' response when he doesn't make his disciples fast. And then look at Jesus' response, verse 15. Jesus responded, Should the wedding guest mourn while celebrating with the groom? Now, what is Jesus doing here? Jesus is drawing attention to the Pharisees that they do not realize who he is. That they've never had a real relationship with Jesus. And because of that, they miss the point of what John the Baptist is doing here. He says, someday he'll be taken from them. And then they will fast. I want you to see that. I would even encourage you to underline that. Someday he will be taken from them, and then they will fast. So what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, the groom is me. The wedding is the preparation of what's taking place right now. You ready? And John the Baptist, you know who he is, Pharisees? He's the best man. He's the best man. He's the best man. Not you, Pharisees. And who would patch an old garment with unshrunk cloth? For the patch shrinks and pulls away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger hole than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. The old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. That way, both the wine and the wineskins are preserved. So you know what Jesus is saying, and it's a little complicated, but what Jesus is saying is this. I have come to do a new work in the name of God the Father. And to do that new work, you've got to give up all of the ways you've seen it before. And you've got to be willing to embrace an old ritual in a new way. And the Pharisees are like, mm-mm, mm-mm. We'll embrace an old ritual our way. And God is saying to them, no, if you want the blessing that is coming, you have got to embrace an old ritual 
in a new way. You say, what is that new way? The Holy Spirit. Jesus is giving a foreshadowing here that the Holy Spirit is soon to be sent. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to come on them. They're going to speak in tongues. The power of the Holy Spirit's going to come over. He's talking about everything that happens in the book of Acts. And he's trying to say to the Pharisees, don't miss out on it. Listen to me. We've come out of a very difficult time. We've practiced the rituals that God has given us. But God wants to do a new work in you. God wants to do a new work through you, but it's going to require you to let go of the ways you've done it, hold on to the ancient ritual, but let go of the ways you've done it and say, God, how do you want to do it now? And see, fasting, he says, after I leave you, go back to fasting because fasting is what's going to help you focus on God, be cleansed in the process, and seek my wisdom to do what I've created you to do. And see, as you get more and more voices in the world, you've got to ask yourself the question, which voice in my life is going to dictate and determine what I do with my life? Which is it for you? As the voices get louder and louder and louder and louder. So why fast? Look at these four reasons. Number one, because Christ commands us to fast. Christ says he wants us to fast. When you fast, this is something that should be a part of your life. You go, well, how often? That's between you and the Lord. But it should be a part of your life. Number two, because it's a time in which you seek God in a more intentional way. And so where in your life... Uh, especially between now and April the 15th, are you going to intentionally seek the Lord as we go into the season of celebrating the sacrifice, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And then number three, because it's a time in which you confess your sins to him in a more intentional way. And so do you have a time in your life where you're very intentional about looking at different areas of your life and talking to God about those areas and saying to him, uh, you know, that probably wasn't good. And so God, how do you want me to engage you? How do you want me uh, to confess to you? How do you want to speak to me about that area of my life? Maybe in my marriage, maybe it's in my family, whatever the case may be, whatever relationship it is. Number four, why fast? Because it's an intentional time of anticipating God doing a new thing among us. See, God wants to do a new work through us, not just our church, all churches. God wants to do a new work in us. But we cannot justify our sin. We cannot applaud sin. We cannot accompany sin. We cannot look the other way. We cannot pretend that it doesn't exist. We have to engage these very difficult moments. So how are we to fast? Matthew 6, 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious. <laughs> don't make it obvious. As the hypocrites do. That doesn't mean, you know, don't pretend like you're not fasting. Okay? Well, what's wrong with you? I 
Can't say. If somebody asks you if they've noticed a change in you, you can answer that question. But what you don't do is, you know, go out in the streets and, and go, hey, look at me. Aren't I so amazing? Look at this. Like you have to let certain people know, and, and especially if you do multiple days of fasting, at some point people are trying to figure out what's going on with you. So you have to be honest with people. But don't make it obvious. As the hypocrites do who try to look pale and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I surely assure you that is the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, here's what you do. Comb your hair, <laughs> if you have any, okay? Comb your hair. Wash your face. And in essence, what Jesus is saying is, just be normal. Take care of yourself. When you go into fasting, it's, what it's going to do is it's going to be a harder thing for you. Uh, your life is difficult, and you're going to say to yourself, my life is difficult, self. Why would you want to make it more difficult? And see, one of the most beautiful things about fasting is that when you fast and you voluntarily decide to make your life more difficult than it actually already is, all of a sudden you begin to be able through the power of the Holy Spirit to take back the life that God has entrusted to you so that you can actually do what he's called you to do. And see, fasting, what's interesting is when you voluntarily choose to fast, when you voluntarily choose, and the, uh, the word in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word means to afflict yourself. When you choose to voluntarily afflict yourself, what happens is you begin to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to take back the life that God has given you to live anyway. He says, I assure you, that's your only reward. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will suspect you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in secret. And your father who knows all secrets. Someone once asked me, are all secrets bad? You tell me. We'll reward you. Not all secrets are bad. There are good secrets. There are good secrets. So here's what I want to encourage you with fasting. Fasting gives you a chance to get rid of your bad secrets so you can have some good ones. Amen? So say to the Lord, Lord, this is our little secret. This is our good little secret. Now tell me during this good little secret what bad little secrets you want me to get rid of. You want me to weed out of my life. So how are we to fast? Number one, keep it a secret if, as much as possible. Number two, keep your life as normal as possible. Keep it as normal as possible. Now, some people say, and, and this is strictly up to your personality. Some people say, oh, I can never fast while I'm working. Well, I'll, I'll just want you to know that me personally, I would much rather fast while I'm working. I find fasting when I'm doing nothing to be the most difficult kind of fasting. Okay? because I got nothing to focus on. And let me just tell you something. If you choose to try this discipline, and, and I know some of us have never done this, like Henry Nowen calls it um, vain and wild imaginations. If you choose to practice the discipline of fasting, your mind is going to go everywhere. Like it's going to go crazy. 
And, and you're going to have these moments of wild and vain imaginations, and you're going to think to yourself, I'm going crazy. You're not going crazy. This is part of fasting. Because, see, when you, uh, what fasting does is it creates a greater awareness of yourself, and it grows your self-awareness. Because believe it or not, there's all kinds of thoughts you have, all kinds of feelings you have. You give no thought to because you're constantly feeding your flesh whatever it wants. And I don't mean that in a sinful way. But the moment that you tell your flesh, no, you're not telling me what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. And when I say flesh there, I'm not talking sin. I'm just talking your body, your physical body. When you say to your physical body, I'm going to tell you what to do. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to give up this for the Lord. So what will result from fasting? Psalm 109.24. My knees are weak from fasting. I love that. Isn't it interesting how a very spiritual discipline has a very physical component to it? And if you want to grow in spiritual effectiveness, you need to grow in being able to tell your physical body what it's going to do. Instead of your body telling you what to do, you tell your body what to do. I say to some of my basketball friends, you know, we're now all old, and, and, and I go, you know what, uh, if we were actually good, we'd be dangerous. Because we've mastered the art of the game between our ears. But, you know, but we've lost the ability physically. And what's interesting is, and this is the tough part about life, more mature Christians that are older tend to be able to do more physically than young Christians because young Christians have not yet oftentimes mastered their ability to control their physical body to tell it no so they can do what God's called it to do. And that's why the Bible teaches it's good for a person to bear the yoke of life in their youth because that will make you more effective as you age in learning how to tell your flesh no. So what will result from fasting? Number one, physical weakness and emotional irrationality. <laughs> Doesn't that sound exciting? Sign me up, right? I mean, that's basically what the last two years have been like, right? Number two, answered prayers and miracles. I read an article this past week, and I don't know if it was the same article about the young people that died in Colorado, but it seemed like there, there was another group of youth that died in Florida from fentanyl overdose. Is that correct? And the article was all about how they didn't deserve to die because they thought they were taking cocaine, but they were actually taking fentanyl. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sad that they died the way they did. But is this really now where we're at? That we need to justify the use of illegal narcotics by the fact that a drug dealer duped them? I mean, think about your life. What direction are you headed? What direction are you headed? Where are you going? Do you know why you're going the direction you're going? What's the result from fasting is miracles. 
I love what Jesus says in Matthew 17, 21. This kind of demon won't leave us unless you've prayed and fasted. God uses external disciplines out here combined with a heart for him in here to do miracles out here in our lives. So see, if I grab the physical world through fasting and my heart is pure as to why I'm doing it, and the Pharisees weren't, but if I grab this spiritual discipline of fasting out here and I say, you know what, physically I'm going to give up something for God. With a heart that's for God, he'll do miracles in this realm. That's a promise. That's a promise. So what demons in your life or your loved one's lives are you asking God to cast out? I want to challenge you to fast. Give up something. Get on your face before the Lord and say in the name of Jesus, leave. Leave this person. Leave me. God will break strongholds and do miracles in your life through this very rudimentary physical, spiritual discipline of fasting, of giving up something for his glory and our good. Amen? Amen. So here's my challenge. What are you going to give up? What are you going to give up? Some people can't give up food. I understand that because physically they cannot do that. What are you going to give up between now and April the 15th as we go into Resurrection Sunday, April 17th? What are you going to give up and say to the Lord? Do a miracle, God. Do a miracle. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.